Okay. Parshas B'Shalach, Jerush Dalit. So what's the context? We're taking a look at the Pasuk. When they the Pasuk says that they don't go the straightest route to Eretz Yisrael. The straightest route would have been through the Gaza Strip. But Hashem doesn't do that because it's too direct. Well, what's the problem with going direct? The Pasuk goes on to say, The problem is that people are going to see war. They're going to get right to Eretz Yisrael a little bit too quickly. And they're going to say, you know what, let's just go back to Mitzrayim. So it seems like HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, let's take him the circuitous route. They'll go through the desert. They'll go back. They'll go forth. They'll have all sorts of trials and tribulations in the desert until eventually they get to Eretz Yisrael. But better that they go in a circuitous route than as opposed to going in the straight route. So the, what's the shot in this whole Indian? So we see a very famous Medrash Rabbah. I don't know if you hear about this one on Seder night. It's a perplexing Medrash. The Medrash says like this. Hashem turned the people. Vayasev sounds like Haseba. Haseba means when you lean on Seder night. Lahasev is because you're leaning. What, what, what is the idea of Vayasev to go in a circle? Just like it means as you're leaning. So you have to like kind of like picture it, illustrate it to figure it out. When a person is standing straight, okay, it's a line. That's what it is. A human body is, 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 is a straight line. But when you're sitting and then you're leaning, so you're kind of, if you think about it, you're forming a sort, a sort of a circuitous way. You're forming a sort of circle, a semicircle on some level. And anyways, it's turned. There's a turn to the body. We'll say it that way. As opposed to being a straight line, there's a turn. So by the Abish don't tell us Adam it's right. But Derek Shell has Seba in a circuitous way. We didn't go in a straight line. Mikan Amar Abazinu, it's from here that the Medrash derives. That the din, the makar for the din of the takanas kachamim, afilu anishabi Yisrael yichal That even if you're a poor yid and you don't have much on the seder night, but what's one thing you're going to do? You're always going to treat yourself like an aristocrat, like a king, and whatever you're going to be eating, you could be eating, you know, some boiled potatoes and matzah the seder night. But afilu anishabi Yisrael, the poorest person, lo yichal There's a din of a seba. So one idea which is important already just to see before we even uh, before we even continue is that the Mishnah emphasizes Afilu Oni Shebi Yisrael, that it's even the poorest person amongst Klal Yisrael. Even the poor person has to do at Seba. And one of the things that he doesn't directly address, but I want to address because it's going to be like an elephant in the room kind of as he addresses it, is what's the emphasis on the poor person? Afilu Oni Shebi Yisrael. Chazal said you have to, you have to, you have to, you have to lean on Seder night. What's the emphasis that even a poor person in Klal Yisrael has to do at Seba? I'll give you an example. Do we say anywhere that even a poor person is mechuyiv and lulav? Of course a poor person is mechuyiv and lulav. Why wouldn't he be? Does God distinguish between, uh, you know, a class of a person and how much money they have? What's the chiddish? That even a poor person needs to do haseba. But the bigger question here is, what in the world is the connection between haseba that we do Seder night and the fact of that Hashem made them go in a, in a, in a, in a, in a circuitous way? Is there, it's just a play on words? Is it just, okay, Vayasev Haseba, Shekach, Amalam HaKadosh Baruch Hu, this is what Hashem told them to do, Shemar Vayasev Elokim, Ad That's the end of the Medrash. Vuhutamua, the Zerah Shimshon goes right into it. It's an absolutely astounding Medrash. Ma'inyan Zelazet, what connection is the turning of the Jewish people in their way away from the land of Plishtim, what does that have to do with the mitzvah of turning on Seder night, reclining on Seder night? And to emphasize the question, just get into it a little bit more, Haseba is not a mitzvah midaraisa. Well, we all understand that. It's not a chiv in the Torah. You read the Pasuk and Parshish, Bo, Yimatsa, Mar, it doesn't say you lean. It's all midrabona. 
It's all the rabbi's enactment and ideas. You should do it the way an aristocrat, the way a nobleman would eat, would be with, through the way of Haseba. Fine, very good. So obviously what the rabbis are doing here is finding an illusion from the Pasuk. It's not literal pshat in the Pasuk. It's not a drush in the Pasuk. It's not a dindaraisa. The rabbis are finding a sense of illusion, a hint, a remis in the Torah to Haseba. So I understand it's a play on words, but is there any connection? By Haseba lo um, that's what makes me do Haseba. What's the Indian? What does one have to do with the other? That's the first kasha. <clears throat> now he continues. Rashi Kasa. Rashi writes that the idea that Hashem said they shouldn't go Derechetz Plishtim because they're going to complain and say they go, should go back to Mitzrayim. Rashi says as follows. The truth is that it was a very strong concern. It wasn't like HaKadosh Baruch Hu was being paranoid and overly cautious. It was a really good concern. Why? Even when HaKadosh Baruch Hu took them in the roundabout way, we know that Hashem took them the other way. What happened? What happened after the Miraglim? The Jewish people say, you know what? Forget about Eretz Yisrael. Let's appoint ourselves another leader. Forget about Moshe. Let's get a different leader. And we'll go back to Mitzrayim. So it actually happened. Even when they went in the circuitous way, in the roundabout way through, uh, through the desert, they still at one point said, let's go back to Mitzrayim. So if Hashem would have led them in a direct way, all the more so that they surely at one point would have said, let's go back to Mitzrayim. That's the end of the Rashi. So what is Rashi's comment saying? Rashi is, 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 is emphasizing and bringing us a proof that HaKadosh Baruch Hu's concern was not baseless, but very valid. Why? Because even when they went in the desert in the roundabout way, at one point, they actually say, let's go back to Mitzrayim. So all the more so, had Hashem taken them in the direct straight line, surely they would have said, let's go back to Mitzrayim. That's the comment of Rashi. Rashi's using Kal and Chaymer. The Kal is, I'll make it easy, I'll go circuitous route. No, still at one point, I want to go back to Mitzrayim. Certainly, if I'm going in the straight line, I'm going to do it. See, he says, it's a very perplexing Kavachaymer. Al Kavachaymer is equal to Mifra. You can refute this Kavachaymer very easily. Shahari Adarabah, just to the contrary. Imagine they would have gone to Mitzrayim and four days later they would have been in Israel. They never would have regretted leaving Mitzrayim. Just the opposite. They would not want to go back because it's immediate. It's success. You leave Mitzrayim, you're freed, and the next second you have your autonomous control in a new land and you're able to win and you're able to settle and everything's wonderful. You have fruit and water. Eretz Yisrael is beautiful. Of course they're not going to want to go back to Mitzrayim. And the more so, they immediately remember the pain of the Sheba. Five days ago, I was sitting in a, you know, with an Egyptian beating me over, over, over with, a whip, with, with, with a whip. And now five days later, I'm in Eretz Yisrael. So I'm not going to run back to Mitzrayim. It's fresh. It's good. I understand how good I have it. If I'm a reader, they're going to remember just all the bitterness that they were subjugated with. Just the opposite. They would enter into, into Eretz Yisrael with joy implanted right in their hearts. Meaning it would, it would have that carryover effect from bitterness to uh, to, to Simcha, they just left. But now, what did Hashem do? Hashem made them go in a roundabout way. And they suffer from every endless trials, and they need the mun, and they need the Naniyakavod, and they need Miraglim, and all these problems that all come about because they didn't go right into Eretz Israel. At that point, it's been a long time since we remember the Koshi Hashib. A lot of time has passed. It's been, let's say, the story with the Miraglim. It's, it's over a year since they've gone. So a year makes you forget a great amount of things. The, the embitterment, the pain of the enslavement has already subsided. Maybe that's why they say go back to Mitzrayim. So what he's asking is such a great kasha. 
He's saying, if anything, this logic is so flawed. What's the logic? If I take them in a straight way, then they're going to want to go back to Mitzrayim. No, I'll take them in a roundabout way, then, 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 then it's going to be fine. They're not going to want to go back. And Rashi's saying, and that's shot because even when they went on the roundabout way, what happened? They said, let's go back to Mitzrayim. Kalva certainly if they would have gone in the straight way, they would want to do it. Up there, it doesn't make any sense. Just the opposite. I take a slave and I put him right away in Eretz Yisrael. He's going to feel good. He's going to say, wow, what a good thing. I remember just a minute ago, I was in Mitzrayim. I feel the pain and now I have my own land. Of course, this is amazing. Now he's got his own land. Now he's not going to go back. Mashenk and I take a guy, I uproot him from slavery, and I don't give him a home, and I make him utterly dependent on a Kodesh Baruch Hu for every need of his life. He has endless trials and circumstances that are hard for him in life. At some point, then it's going to give. It's going to break. He's going to forget about the pain. He's going to say, you know what? Mitzrayim was better than this. And then he's going to want to go back to Mitzrayim. Maybe that's the pshat. So he's struggling. What in the world is Rashi's Kavachemir? Good? You know, I, I think I'm really taught that he took him in a round not because they said it, if they took him in the straight route, they could have gone right back. It was much easier for them. It's easier to go. Right, 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 right. It sounds like from Rashi, though, and I understand what you mean, it's easier to go back. The, the, the path is right there. It sounds like from Rashi that it has to do with the complaining. Because Rashi's making a kavachim. Rashi's saying, even when he went on the roundabout way, they still said at one point, let's go back. All the more so, they would have said that had they been on the straight route. It sounds like from Rashi, like... The struggle, like the idea, let's go back to Mitzrayim, like would have been born more in the straight route. So he's struggling with this. Then he continues. Now let's move on to another. Okay, so far, strong question. Now he continues with another kasha. What happened after, after, after the sent the spies? They sin. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is very upset at them. The people are down and they say these words. Nitzna Rosh, let us appoint a new leader, meaning we're done with Moshe, a new leader, and we'll go back to Mitzrayim. He says, let's examine that text. What's the pshat in the language of Rosh? Let's get a new leader. They just should have said, let's go back to Mitzrayim. This has anything to do with getting a new leader? And and think about it. Do you really need a leader to walk yourself back into slavery? If you're going back as a slave, you don't have a leader. A slave doesn't have his own king. What what are we, we, the nation of slaves? No, the slaves are just the slaves. There are two things that they're saying in the same sentence are contradictory. On the one hand, they're saying, let's appoint a leader. And the second half of their statement is, let's just go back to be slaves. How does that make sense? If you want to be a slave, then why is it so important to you to have a king? So what he's asking is in the story after Miraglam, let's say, let, let's say they wanted to go back to Mitzrayim. Good. So let's just say, let's go back to Mitzrayim. What's the pshat that they first say, Nitz We need a leader to take us back into slavery. You need a leader for that? That's not an inning of leadership. That's the, the second kasha that he, that he raises. Third kasha, another kasha on the story with the spies. There's another difficulty in the story with the spies. What happened? They came into Eretz Yisrael. A difficult thing happened. It says in the Pasuk, Eretz Eichles Yoshev. They came back and they reported. You know what's so bad about Israel, they said? Eretz Yisrael is so bad that it eats, it devours the people who live there. Now we're taught, you know, everyone knows what Rashi says. We'll I mean, quote it in a second. But what does that mean? That it eats the people who are there. What, what is the, the land eats them? If we say that it's literal, meaning that living in Eretz Yisrael caused people to die young, and that's what they were saying, say, yeah, sure, it doesn't make any sense. They saw for years and years, nations had been living there, the Kanani settled there. Clearly, there's no sort of, you know, plague living in Israel, you're going to die young. There's no such thing. Just the opposite. They, they said in their own words that the locals, that the indigenous people in, 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 in Eretz Yisrael were strong. They said, they said in their own words, we're scared to go because the people there are so 
are so strong. So clearly there's no plague that's killing out people young. The Imnaim are, so what are you going to say? What does it mean that it eats the inhabitants? It means what the Gemara says, that wherever the spies went, somebody dropped dead. Just when they were there, it was a sign from Hashem. Hashem was trying to say, oh, don't worry, it's not going to be so hard to get rid of these people. I can make them drop dead in an instant. So wherever the spies went, they saw these isolated incidents where the person just dropped dead. Kedeshi Trudim Ba'evlam, and the point of this was that the Kananis would be so busy mourning and burying their dead, but they wouldn't even notice that there were spies there. That's the Talmudic interpretation of Eretz Ochlehas Yoshvel, that the land devoured its inhabitants means that wherever they go, they just saw random sporadic, but death, 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 like what's going on? Maybe you'll say that's the pshat, that's what they meant when they said the land devours its inhabitants. But he says that's not enough. Now, again, you have to be very careful when you learn this. He's not saying it's wrong. Avada, there's such an Indian. The Gemara says it, that, that, they, that they saw it. But that that's the depth of what they're saying, no, it's not the depth. There's still something we're missing. Why? It's impossible to say that that's the depth of it. Just because you see isolated incidents, that doesn't define the nature of the land. Meaning, if you scientifically, scientifically don't see any reason why living in Israel will make a person die prematurely, which clearly he already said doesn't make sense. So then the fact that you see isolated anecdotes where people die for no reason and you can't explain it inexplicably, you shouldn't blame the land. That, that's just a random incident. Like, that's not the teva of the land. Again, they know that for years and years there hasn't been people dying. So just because you go to Israel now and in isolated incidents you see people dying, why would you say it must be that the land, that the nature, the teva of the arts is that it kills people. You saw they were many and strong. And furthermore, if anything, if, if a scientist would look at that and they can't explain why people are dying, what would the scientist say? It must be God, right? That's the whole point. If you see that by nature, the land for years and years, people were there and were strong, and then you just see the isolated incident, how could you not see God, right? <laughs> of course, the more reasonable thing to say is that it was HaKadosh Baruch Hu's intervention. Hashem is clearly demonstrating, don't be afraid of the Canaanim. Why would you turn and make it an inexplicable connection to the nature of the land when it's clearly not that? And maybe you're going to say, he's like attacking, he's leaving no stone unturned in his argument here. Maybe you'll say, you're right. The whole argument made no sense. They were just bad-mouthing Israel to bad-mouth Israel. You're right. There was no logic in what they were saying. They were just simply saying anything just for the sake of being heard. He says, come on. That doesn't make sense either. How in the world, if you're coming and you're trying to present an argument to the people, you're trying to get the people to believe that Israel is bad, you can't just say anything that's illogical and does not persuasive and say, okay, everybody's going to believe that going to Israel is bad. It's not going to work. Obviously, we have to accept that the Miraglim are coming and arguing in a persuasive way. So what were they saying? Oh, we saw people die. You, you have something to say? What does the data say? What does the science say? For centuries and centuries, everybody's strong. We saw giants there. We saw powerful people. Clearly, the nature of the land is good. Yeah, but we saw random episodes of death, and therefore what? Clearly, there's a hand of God. It doesn't. How can you relate that back to the nature of the land? So this is the, the last question. So I want to just explain. We'll go over now. He has asked three kashas on the story here of the Mirag. 
Kasha number one is Rashi says the Pshad Hashem, Hashem said they, I'm not going to take them straight because then they want to go back to Mitzrayim. So rather I'll take them in a roundabout way. Rashi says, and you see, because after Miraglim, they wanted to go back. So certainly had Hashem taken them in the straight way, they would have claimed they wanted to go back. Kasha on that is just the opposite. You take a slave and you put him right into Israel, he'll, he's going to see the Simcha straight from pain to Simcha, the opposite. It would help him stay in Israel. Taking him on the roundabout way makes him greater desire for him to go back to Mitzrayim because he doesn't have a home. Kasha number one. Kasha number two, when the Jews do want to go back to Mitzrayim after the Miraglim, the language of the Pasuk is Nitzna Roish. We need a new leader. What's this Indian of getting a new leader in order to march yourself back into slavery? You walk back into slavery with your head bowed. You don't walk there with a leader. Kasha number three is what's the whole, uh, the whole topic when they complain and they say, Eretz Eichlechas Yeshvel, that Eretz Yisrael devours the inhabitants. Well, what does that mean? Yes, they saw random stories of people dying, but how did, they, how did they relate that to the land and blame the land and say a persuasive argument why we shouldn't go to Israel because we saw isolated incidents of death while we were there. And we can't forget, obviously, the question which we started with, which eventually, in a few minutes, we will get back to, is the Pasuk says, That's where Chazal saw the Indian of Heseba on Seder night. What in the world is the connection between Heseba and Vayaseba Lokimazah? So now we get to the theory. Here we go. So this is where the transition. He builds the questions, and then the second half is building the theory. The theory is as follows. Hakol Yuvan, everything will be understood. We have to know what the Chachamim say. So what is the Chachamim here? This is something that I think you hear a lot on Tisha B'av. Do you ever hear on Tisha B'av that even though Hashem destroyed the base of Mikdash, and it seems like it's really bad, the truth was that it was an act of compassion from Hashem. Why? Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu has to choose in the destruction of sticks and stones, the, the edifice, the base of Mikdash, or the people. Meaning the Jewish people cannot endure, they cannot, the way they were doing with all the sin and problems, they cannot live together with the base of Mikdash. HaKadosh Baruch Hu has to make a choice. Is it the purity of the temple? Is Eretz Yisrael going to remain perfect and the base of Mikdash and the Shekhinah is going to be there clearly manifest, but the people don't deserve it and therefore the people will be destroyed? Or will I believe in the people and temporarily the base of Mikdash won't exist? So HaKadosh Baruch who destroys the base of Mikdash, it's an act of belief and trust in the people that by exiling them and pushing them away, that hopefully they'll regain spiritually on Mikdash. And the idea that Medrash always says is HaKadosh Baruch who pours out his wrath on these sticks and stones as opposed to pouring out his wrath on people. This is the concept that we know. And a little bit more, he delves, he delves into this. This is not even a direct medrash, but we know this from many mafarshim. He doesn't tell us his source here, but we know this. He says, Had Moshe Rabbeinu gone into Israel, it would have been the perfection of Moshe who brought them in. He would have literally planted Klai Yisrael, meaning he would have done such a strong job spiritually that the Jews would have entered there in a state of perfection with them ultimate. They had Moshe Rabbeinu bring them in. There would be of no capability for the Beis HaMikdash to be destroyed. I want to understand what he's saying. Had Moshe Rabbeinu been the one to build the Beis HaMikdash, Hashem would not have been able to destroy the base of Mikdash. What does that mean? That means that this difficult decision that Hashem had to make, the people or the Mikdash, the reason why Hashem chose the Mikdash is chose to destroy the Mikdash is not only stop, oh, I believe in the people. It's deeper than that. It's that the Mikdash itself was built within flaw. Think about it. Think about who built the base of Mikdash. Think about the stories of the base of Mikdash. There was always flaw, too much taxes, too much thing, too much foreign nations, always problems when the base of Mikdash was built. And that's a, the tremendous hashkocha that it was that way, that there were problems in the temple itself. Why? Because then when the decision becomes, should I destroy the Mikdash? Should I destroy the, the Yidin? Hashem can say, oh, the base of Mikdash had its flaws. So I'll destroy the base of Mikdash. I'll believe in the people. But had the base of Mikdash been built by Maish Rabbeinu, Maish Rabbeinu would bring us in and plant a stark in the land. Everything's good and everything's perfect and he's going to build the Bible 
Beis HaMikdash, then there's no way to destroy such a thing. It's too perfect. So the imperfection of not having Moshe Rabbeinu ends up benefiting us. It's a very, it's almost like a, it's an ironic twist in the Hashkocha from the Ha'evishtah. Had Moshe Rabbeinu done it, brought us in, the Beis HaMikdash would never have been destroyed. Elkin Yechli Yisrael, if the Jews would have seen HaKadosh Baruch Hu there would have been no choice for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to, to kill them. There would never have been another exile. Now that Moshe did not bring them in, therefore Hashem was able to destroy the base of Mikdash, the wood and the stones instead. Instead, he sent the Jewish people into exile. So exile the Rachamim from the Ebeshah to send us into exile. What all the catalyst for that is the fact that Moshe didn't go in. That's how we're saved. And the Jews knew this. The Jews knew, and this is the depth of that, when the Jews are marching their way to Israel, they know that in their own destiny, in the long run, it is better for them to march with imperfection without Moshe Rabbeinu than it would be for Moshe Rabbeinu to live. And I think we all know this, this idea of experience, where you're more comfortable with imperfect settings than you are living in a perfect setting. And that's the idea, whether it's, you know, a beginning of marriage, whatever it is, you almost, you want to get into the regular. You want to get into the imperfection. The perfection, the standards, it's, it's, it's too much. It's unbearable. It's expectations which cannot be maintained. So they knew this. What is the point? We're going to go to Eretz Yisrael. And Moshe is going to be our leader. If we go and sin, we'll be subject to be annihilated. We need a different leader. I don't want to be planted in Eretz Yisrael in a permanent way. And then in Hanami, if we ever are subject to Exile, it would be better to go back to exile, even to go back to Mitzrayim, than to die in Eretz Yisrael. Meaning the will of the people to have a different leader and to return to Mitzrayim does not mean, I want to go back and be a slave. No fool would say, I want to go back and be a slave. Who wants to go back and be a slave? That's not what they want. What they want is give me a different leader. Give me someone a little bit less perfect. Don't give me a Maishu Rabbeinu. Bring me to Eretz Yisrael, but bring me with somebody else. Bring me with Yeshua. Bring me with someone less. Why? Because then if I sin and I'm exiled, I'll be able to go back to Gullus. And they pick Mitzrayim as a symbol of another place where they might be exiled to. And they say, I'll be able to march back to Mitzrayim alive. If Maishu Rabbeinu brings me in and I sin, that's it. I'm done. We're annihilated. Nidna Reish. Give me another leader. Give me someone imperfect. I don't want a Maishu Rabbeinu. Because then I'll go to Eretz Yisrael. I'll go within the world of imperfection. Within the world of imperfection, my sins will not annihilate me. I'll be able to live with failure. I'll be able to go to another Golas, but no, knowing that HaKadosh Baruch Hu will destroy the Beis HaMikdash and not me. That's what they were saying. Alzeh Amru. Remember, this is, this is what he's now getting. His main theory is that the Jews didn't want to return to slavery. They wanted options of exit. You know, you always protect yourself before you get into a deal. They wanted an exit strategy. They wanted to go to Eretz Yisrael with an option that if they would sin, they would march out of exile alive. March out to exile alive. That was what they craved. They didn't want to live in this perfect standards where they had to feel like they were angels and if any sin was a threat of annihilation. That's the mean theory that he is doing this, that, that, he, is, that he is saying. And he's saying that's why they didn't mount the Moshe Rabbeinu. They knew Moshe Rabbeinu there would be permanent and perfect. And it would be a mortal danger for them if there would be any sin. So they're saying, no, Nitna Rosh, give me another leader and then I'll know I'll be in Eretz Yisrael. Okay, conditional. If things are good, good. And if not, the base much will be destroyed. I'll go back to Golas. Al Zeh Amru. Now he says, Mamish Tif, that's what they were saying. 
Eretz Eichle Haos Yishvel. You know what Eretz Yisrael does? It eats up the people who are there. What does it mean Eretz Yisrael eats up people? In Yechdu. It means Eretz Yisrael is a place where it's so spiritual that if you, don't, if you don't do the right thing, if you're not living up to it, then you'll die. That's what they were scared of. They said, we don't want to go there. It's Eretz Eichle Haos Therefore what? Be done with Israel? No. They're saying, Nitna Reish, give me another leader I'm only comfortable going to Israel with, without Moshe. That's what they're saying. It doesn't mean right now, give me a leader and go back to Mitzrayim. That's not what it's saying. Of course they want to go to the Eretz Israel. They don't want to be a slave and they want a leader. They're saying, give me a leader of, imperfect, of imperfection. I'll go there and I'll have my exit strategy. That if I'm ever do sin, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will not destroy me. He'll destroy the base of Mikdash. I'll be able to go back at some point. Legolas. That's the, the teeth guide of what they were saying. Eretz Eichlehas Yoshvel. They weren't against Eretz Yisrael. They were against going to Eretz Yisrael with perfection. They didn't want Moshe. That's what they were saying. Nitzanarash. He's just beautifully answered the last question. Now he goes back to Rashi's Kalvachaymer. Remember what, remember what Hashem wanted was that they should go in the roundabout way versus going in the straight way. This is the meaning of Rashi's Kalvachaymer. What did Hashem tell Moshe? We have to remember what the message was. How did, what was the message to Klai Yisrael when they were in Mitzrayim? Parsha Shemos. Eyeh. Asher Eyeh, I'm going to be, my name, the Shema Avaya, is going to be here, and it's going to be there as well. It's double. Eyeh, Asher Eyeh. What does that mean? The Gemara explains. I'm with you in Mitzrayim in this Galos. There's going to be another Galos, another time you're going to be in exile. I'll be with you then also. So what happened? Hashem is telling Moshe, go relate to the, go relate to the Jews. I'm with you now, and I'll be with you in another Gullus also. Meaning Hashem is telling them, while they're in Mitzrayim, that there's going to be another Gullus. What does Moshe, what does Moshe say? What does the Gemara say? And Moshe says to the Ebeshe, he says, Ebeshe, I can't tell them this. I'm going to tell them that there's going to be another Gullus. How can I tell them there's going to be a Gullus? They're going to go crazy, right? You just get me out of this one. You're telling me I'm going to go back into Gullus another point? So Moshe, Moshe said, I can't tell that to him. So he explains as follows. That Hashem wanted this. Hashem wanted the Jews to know you're in Gullus now, you're going to go to Eretz Yisrael, but there might be another Gullus as well. Hashem wanted them to know that. Moshe said it's enough suffering that they have now, they should never suffer again. Moshe did not want there to be any other exile for the Jewish people. That's what Moshe was saying. I can't tell them, I can only tell them, because if I tell them, that implication is there's going to be another Gullus. It's too much. Just bring them to a perfect place and permanently make them settle there. So what, did, what was the MS? What did Hashem tell him? Hashem told Moshe a very cryptic words. He said, okay, just say, sent me to you. Meaning, it, it seems to be that Hashem said, uh, agreed to Moshe. That's what it would seemingly be. Hashem said, okay, so don't tell them, just tell them. But the truth is, we don't know. It's open to interpretation what Hashem was telling Moshe. After Sheh's came Moshe, it could be that he was agreeing with Moshe that there shouldn't be any more agolosim. This is the only gullus. For Efshernami, but it's also possible, Shaloiskim. He wasn't agreeing. He was telling Moshe to tell it to the Jews, that they shouldn't be overwhelmed with the thought of another gullus. So meaning what he's saying is, even when Hashem agrees to Moshe, he's not agreeing. He really knows that there should be another Gullus and it's in the best interest of the people that there should be another Gullus so that they can live with imperfection and not be destroyed. But he's just saying, Moshe, if you're so concerned that they'll be overwhelmed by the news, then you don't have to tell it to them. And now this all comes together. If we say that Hashem agreed with Moshe that there shouldn't be any more exiles, then the Jews could have gone straight. Going straight represents everything would go in in perfection. Had they gone straight, Moshe Rabbeinu would have been there. 
what, why did Moshe Rabbeinu not get into Eretz Yisrael? What's really the answer in a very short sentence? Because all of the trials of Mitzrayim brought, uh, of, of the Midbar brought him in Klal Yisrael down. That's really the answer. Whether it's the rock, whether it's the maraglim, whether it's, whether it's Kairach, all the stories that happened in the Midbar, that brought Moshe Rabbeinu and Klal Yisrael down in a way which he could not go to Eretz Yisrael. Had they gone straight, and this has to really settle on us, it would have been perfect. The straight route represents the perfection. I never veer. I never make a, make a misstep. I walk on a straight line. The trajectory is perfect. I know exactly where I'm going because the way he tells me, and I go, boom, I'm right there in Eretz Yisrael four days later. That's the Indian. Moshe Rabbeinu would have done it that way. It would have been Galpi Moshe. It would have been perfect. There would never have been a future Golis at Klai Yisrael Sin. They would have been annihilated. It would have been a perfect coming to Israel. This, the roundabout way represents that no, it's going to be hard. There's going to be mistakes. But those mistakes, what they're going to do are going to lower your madrega. You're going to suffer a little bit in that midbar. Things are not going to be pushing. Moshe is going to fall too. Moshe is going to be punished. He's not going to go to Eretz Israel. And you'll march into Israel beaten in the next generation, worn out, and you're going to go in with imperfection with another leader. And when you get there, you're going to know that there's going to be another goal. Because you're going to get in, but you realize that you're not in a perfect state. You're not being per- permanently planted there. And if there will be a destruction, it will be upon the base of Mikdash and not upon you. Hashem is now making this choice. There's a fork in the road. You're going to go out of Mitzrayim. Should I take them straight? With Moshe, everything will be perfect, but there's the threat of annihilation. If they, if they sin, or should I take them in a roundabout way? Is it better that to let them fall in the midbar to some degree while they were marching to Eretz Yisrael without Moshe, but with the conditional aspect that they could go back to Gaul? So this is what HaKadosh Baruch Hu was saying. I could take them straight. They were already free. No one's going to harm them. Imagine they went straight. You know, it would be fine. They would go, they would destroy everybody. Just the opposite. If he takes them in a roundabout way, Hashem is showing them the opposite. That HaKadosh Baruch Hu is giving Moshe. He didn't agree with Moshe that they should go in without a future Kalos. And he's, Hashem is agreeing implicitly by taking them in a roundabout way. What Hashem is saying is, I'm agreeing. I'm not agreeing with Moshe, rather. I am saying I want there to be another Golas. I prefer the imperfect, imperfect route. Therefore, Moshe was not destined to go into the land. So what he has just suggested here is that this whole dispute between the Ebishta saying, that there's a Golas, but there's going to be another Golas. And Moshe is saying, no, there's only one Golas. Their, Moshe's very identity is only eh, yeah. Moshe is perfect. Moshe's madriga, had he brought them in, it would have been per, planted permanently, no tolerance for sin. That would have been the derech of Moshe. And that is all represented in the straight route. The other route, the roundabout way, represents the response of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which is, no, 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 no. It's Eliyash, Moshe, you want to tell them whatever you think makes sense, tell them whatever you think makes sense. But the reality is, it's Eliyash, I'm going to bring them in a roundabout way. I'm not choosing the straight way. I'm not being boicher that Moshe Rabbeinu should put them in Eretz Yisrael. I want Klai Yisrael to live with the imperfect, to live with the condition that they can always go out. The base of will be destroyed. They can themselves go back to another Gullus. If that's the meaning of the Kavanah, now we understand Rashi's Kavu Chaymer. Shaper, Chaymer. What was Rashi's Kavu Chaymer? Rashi said like this, if Hashem led them in the indirect way, which means, roundabout means implicitly, Moshe is not going to get in. They nevertheless, they said, 
that we, they were still scared that Moshe was going to bring them in. Even when they went round about after the story of the Meraglim, they were still nervous. They said, we got to get rid of Moshe. Look at after this Meraglim thing. We need a new leader before we go to Eretz Yisrael. Even then, they were nervous about having Moshe Rabbeinu. Even when Hashem was hinting to them that they were going to sin and was going to be okay and they would have a new leader. Certainly, Malikam B'Pshuta, had Hashem led them direct, which would have indicated the opposite, that they're not going to be another Golas, Vishem Moshe Yitim Baritz, and that Moshe would plant them permanently in Eretz Yisrael. Certainly, they would have desired to return, meaning to say they would have been scared to enter Eretz Yisrael in such a way. Because they would be scared of the liability of their sin. So, meaning, where are we right now? Where we are right now is that we understand the Kabbalah of Rashi with a whole new depth, a whole new meaning. If even when they went in the roundabout way, which was meant to indicate that Moshe would not bring them in, Nonetheless, the people were scared that Moshe was still going to bring them in. After the spies, the spies, the episode with the spies, they said, Nitna Rosh, give us a new leader because we want the option after we go back to Israel to get out and go back to Mitzrayim. We need that option. Even though they went roundabout, which was meant to indicate that Moshe wouldn't lead them. Nonetheless, they were still paranoid about that. All the more so certainly have they gone in a straight route, which is an indication that it's going in a straight and Moshe Rabbeinu is going to put you there and it's going to be a land of perfection. Certainly they would have been scared of that. Because in the Jews' minds, when they're thinking about their destiny and their future, the one thing they are afraid of is living with perfection and those expectations, which mean that there's this dooming threat that if they sin, that they will be annihilated. That is the meaning of the Kabbalah so let's just pause, reflect, because it's going to get to the most kishmak part is with Aseba, which he closes. We're going to get to that. But I think before, we've got to pause, take a breath here, understand what has happened before we get to things. We've had a few points here. And what does that mean? Let's go on a straight route. Let's go on a roundabout. We now understand this, the conflict in a whole different way. The conflict basically is the Jews are coming out. They're free. They could go straight. They could just destroy everybody in their way, go in perfectly with Moshe Rabbeinu, be planted permanently in the land. That's option way. That's option one. But that option one is very scary to the future of Klai Yisrael because it means it's a perfect world. And in the perfect world, there's no room for failure. The Beisam Mikdash is perfect. The Jews sin, they have to be annihilated. That would be that route. The other route is, let's go in the circuitous way. Let's not go straight. Let's make a misstep. We walk one way. We wander. We have all the trials and tribulations of the desert. That indicates it's not going to be perfect. Moshe is going to fall with you. Moshe Rabbeinu is not going to bring you in. And eventually you'll go in in an imperfect way, with a different leader, with a nitna rosh, with somebody else. And the Mila, although it seems much harder, it's going to take you much longer to get to Israel. But the Mila is the future. The, the, playing for the future is to see that the, the identity of the Yidin will exist even beyond Eretz Yisrael. They could fail and they'll go back to another Gullus. And that, but the Jewish people will still be around. And the, based upon this theory, he's explaining how Kaddish Baruch wanted the second way. Hashem was Baikr in Klal Yisrael more than he was Baikr in the perfection of Moshe Rabbeinu. And that's what it means. Hashem didn't lead them straight because he said the people want to go back to Mitzrayim. What does it mean the people want to go back to Mitzrayim? It means right now they want to go back and be a slave. No fool would want to go back and be a slave. It means they want eventually an option of going back to Golas. That's what it means. The idea of going back to Mitzrayim doesn't mean now let's go back submissively as slaves. It means give me a leader, give me a roundabout way, give me an imperfect world where even if I fail, I won't be able to have a base on Mikdash, but I can march out of Eretz Yisrael. Maybe my head is bowed, 
but I live to fight for another day. I live as a Yid going back to Galus. At least I'm here to fight. That is what they wanted. And Hashem was masking with them. And he's also putting this into the depth of the dialogue. Eya, Asher Eya. The Abishta tells the Jews when he takes them out of Mitzrayim, the way I'm taking you out is I'll be with you now and I'll be with you in a future Galus. Moshe Rabbeinu can't understand that. He says, what do you mean? I'm going to tell them that? Eya, they're just going to go to Eretz Yisrael. Hashem says, no, 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 no. Moshe, you're wrong. I'm taking them. I'm not doing it that way. I'm going roundabout. The Jews should know that they're going in, that there might be a future Galus because that makes it better for them. That gives them a comfort and a security in their existence and their identity. That pretty much is what's going on. He's explaining Rashi's Kabbal Chaymer based on that. The Kabbal Chaymer is if the people were paranoid with Moshe taking them in, even when they were on the roundabout way, certainly had they been on the straight route, they would be paranoid about that. He has explained the meaning of Eretz Ochlas Yoshveha, what the spies were complaining about and why they didn't want. It's that he's not, they were complaining if we go to Eretz Yisrael and one sin and boom, we're annihilated and we're gone. It's such a high spiritual place that if you sin, you are annihilated. That's what they were saying. We need Rosh, give me a different leader who will bring me to Eretz Yisrael in a way that will not give me the threat of annihilation. So far, beautiful, really, really strong ideas, strong Torah, which he has shared. Now, let's go back to the Medrash. The Medrash started like this. Hashem took them around in a circle. Zokta Medrash, this tells us that we should do Aseba on Seder night, and that, ha- that Aseba is done, even the poorest pauper in, in the Jewish nation. There's a connection between Golos and the roundabout way. Roundabout way is associated with Golos because that's the whole point. Because you go roundabout, therefore it's not motion. Because it's not motion, therefore it's imperfect. Because it's imperfect, therefore you can be exiled. Alpha began nonetheless, even though the, 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 the freedom of Mitzrayim is not the end of all our Golosim, even though it's like that. Then this is really the time. Somebody can say, very good, for my security, I gotta, go, I gotta be imperfect. But I don't feel good about that. I don't feel good. I feel weak. The only way I can exist, the only way I can survive is when I'm not perfect. So basically you're saying, I need to settle on my sin. I need, I need my sins simply to exist and I can never really be on a high madrega because if I be on a high madrega, I'm going to get one sin and be annihilated and therefore I'm forced to live as a poor person. I am forced to live with imperfection knowing that I know it's inevitable that I'm going to fall. Is that really what we want? On the other hand, it feels horrible. So we say even though Hashem says, no, you need the gullus and need things need to be imperfect. Nonetheless, I want you to recline. I want you to feel like you're a king in that roundabout way. I want you to do Haseba. I want you to feel like you're on the highest madriga of highest madrigas, even though you're the poorest person. What does it mean on Seder night we're free? It's a freedom that's not eternal and it's not permanent and it's not perfect. It's a freedom as an opportunity with an exit strategy which is conditional. It must be that the chayrus that we're talking about is not physical. And it's not necessarily guaranteed that we're going to be in Israel and that we won't be a slave again. But it means it's a freedom of the spirit. It doesn't make a difference what your physical stature is. It doesn't make a difference how much money you have. You could have a poor person. He's afflicted. He's tormented physically, emotionally. It could be all sorts of problems that he has in his life. He has to find the energy, the motivation in him to recline and show I have gratitude for the fact that I am free. The whole Nakuda, if you want to be so, you could say, if you're poor, if you have a bad life, then why do you care that you're free? What is this freedom doing for you? How do you feel noble? How do you feel like an aristocrat? Why are you doing Aseba when you don't have a good life? When you're an Ani should be Israel? That's what the Chiddush is. Says the Mishnah, no. You got to feel it. You could be an Ani, but you have to feel that that Mahalach, that route, 
It could be physical torment, all sorts of tormentation, but at the end of the day, the neshama, the cheiros hanefesh, what he's describing, which means the ability to fight, the freedom of the soul, the ability to be beicher, to constantly make decisions, strive to do the right thing, that is the freedom which we so, have so much gratitude for. So even when we're there and we're falling in the desert and we're in the circuitous way and we don't have Moshe Rabbeinu and the Moshe Rabbeinu that we have, we bring him down in a way that he can't even bring us to Eretz Yisrael. You got to feel the simcha on that. You have to feel that that's the real cheiros that you want, that the true freedom, that's the better route, that's the king's route, and the, the cheaper option would have been to go straight. That would have been the simpler, easier option, but it actually would not have been in our best interest. And he finishes off, this is exactly what the Gemara in Chagiga says. Hashem saw all of the circumstances of life. Hashem saw every circumstance that a human being can find themselves in. Everything. All the different contexts and circumstances that can happen to a person. He said that the best thing for the Jews is poverty. Which is a fascinating Gemara. What does that mean? Right? What, what does that mean? Uh, Hashem wants us all to be poor Jews. That's not what it means. He doesn't want that. But what it means is, for a Jew to connect to the Eivishta, there is no greater circumstance. That's an opportunity. It doesn't mean we want to be poor. That's not what it means. But it means there's no greater opportunity for realizing a gratitude of what it means to be connected to Hashem than the circumstance of poverty. That's what it means. And it means even if one is poor, but they can still find the Simcha. Obviously, we don't want to be poor. But the point is, in any other circumstance, you say, if I'm poor, my life stinks. I have nothing. How can I, how can I be happy? Judaism, what it means, HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us a chance that even within poverty, if you see yourself on this route of the roundabout way, you see the simcha on that. You're able to see the gratitude for that. The gratitude is that you're living to fight. If everything would be perfect, if everything would be perfect, we would be annihilated. We wouldn't be able to, to sustain that. It would be an expectation, it would be good, it would seem like it's working. One thing could come along and destroy everything. When you have hard problems and things aren't perfect, that's how you know you're going to live to fight. If you can live to fight, then that's where the simcha, the cheres ha comes from. Oh, yeah.